welcome to episode 54 of Scar Bears. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. As always, it is a blessing to have you here with me today. And as always, with me as well, in a technological sense, is our Nate and Britton Baron. If you want them to work their post-production magic on your projects, just reach out to them at Nate Barron. Well, folks, things are going pretty well and on my end. You know, it's been a blessing to be able to talk with people about my message. And if you know someone or a maybe even someone in the media who would really like to hear my message to share with their audience, please reach out to me. You can do that at chrisdtgordon.com or find me at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. You'll find all my different websites there. I'd love to hear from you. Well, today I have a very special guest. It's my new friend, Joe Petrosky. We met during a week-long boot camp to get, to get us on TV, and uh, we're working on getting ourselves known. And so, Joe, how are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm down here in Delray Beach, Florida, and it's a beautiful, gorgeous day today. Excellent. Good to hear. And so not only were we involved in this week-long boot camp, Joe, but we also have something else in common. We have dealt with serious illnesses in our lives, but then you also have some pretty traumatic childhood, childhood experiences that have shaped you into the person you are today. Do you mind sharing those experiences? Yeah, um, actually, the very first memory that I have is being yanked up off the floor by my arm and being uh, hit by my father. And so I was a very young boy, I'm guessing three and a half or four years old. And uh, we suffered abuse at home. My dad uh, would beat us, uh, you know, they called it spankings, but you don't take a man that is a big man uh, with a board on a child's ass and call that a spanking. Um, he would do that until he lost his wind. Um, and I actually had an older brother, but I couldn't handle watching him cry. And so I learned that if I, went, if I acted up when we were going downstairs to get beaten, I would get hit first. And I learned that when my dad would exhale his second breath, if I would uh, start to fake cry, he would give up after another six or nine hits and he would be so exhausted uh, that my brother would probably only get nine to 12 hits. And so it was, we grew up with a lot of abuse, a lot of screaming. We were told we were never good enough. Uh, how, we, how come we couldn't be like other people? Uh, it was very severe. And then I went on to a Catholic school and uh, got a lot of it there as well. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry to hear that, but you know, obviously you made it through. Was it ever discovered what caused your father's anger or his issues that, that he would, you know, he would share them with you? Um, my, yeah, my father, uh, he, he had said one time, he says, if I can go an entire uh, day without speaking, it's a very good day. Uh, so my dad doesn't talk. He's a very, um, clammed up man. And, um, I've tried to talk with him numerous times, numerous ways, and he will have none of it. Um, uh, he, one time he said, I've taken my thumb out of my mouth. It's time for you to take your thumb out of your mouth. And so he's got no willingness to discuss it. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I lost the thought. What was the question? <laughs> no, no, you, you know, I, I asked you, you know, if there was any, uh, reason, you know, did your father ever disclose or was it ever discovered 
what caused his issues that he would take it out on you and your brother? Well, um, my aunt, I talked with her uh, quite often, and uh, my aunt had said that my grandma was the disciplinarian in their house, and she had actually um, had the hired man um, make a uh, piece of wood that they used to close the grain uh, bin um, in the grain silo. Um, and because grandma really preferred that, um, but when the grain was harvested, she couldn't use it. And so she asked the hired man to make a replica of that and she paddled the kids with that. And so my grandma was a very angry person as well. Um, and my grandpa um, was very quiet and distant. And so my dad grew up with that. He went to seminary and he was gonna be a priest. Mom, I don't know what happened there. He dropped out of the seminary um, or he graduated, but he didn't become a priest. And so um, he never talked about things, but he was definitely a rageaholic. And when he would rage upon us, uh, then life would get better at home. Um, and so um, things got, he, you know, was nicer uh, to my mom. Uh, things got different, uh, but it was, it was difficult to live with the rage. It was, um, it was something I never, I never knew when I was going to be okay. Um, and if the door opened, um, I would either hide um, or I would sit as still as I possibly could. So my dad would hopefully walk by. Oh, my goodness. That's a horrible way to grow up. And so besides the physical scars that you had, you know, as you grew and you progressed through life, how did that affect you in your personal relationships and your dealings with, you know, just ordinary situations? Well, in some ways it was good because I was tenacious as heck. Um, and my brother was two years older than me and um, we played hockey and stuff like that. But my parents weren't about to spend the time to take me to the little kids uh, hockey practice and my brother to the big kids hockey practice. And so I went too early to play with the big boys. Um, and as a result, uh, they were anywhere from two to four years older than me. And so they would knock me around a lot. And so I learned how to get tough really quick. Um, and I had a lot of anger and I would take it out. Um, and so it was unfortunate because most people saw me as a very angry person. Um, I didn't get in fights. I didn't go after them, but kids would pick on me and pick on me because they knew that I wouldn't fight back because if I did fight back and my dad found out, Oh my God, I could, you know, I couldn't even, my dad had made it very, very clear to us that if we got in trouble, when we would get home, it'd be 10 times worse. So the kids would pick on me and pick on me and pick on me until I had finally pop. Well, when I finally popped, I never lost a fight. Um, and I carried that, but it was very lonely. It was very lonely. Um, I didn't know how socially I was completely inept because I had, I was told every single day that there was something wrong with me. I was told every single day that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't right enough. I wasn't like other kids. And so I learned that I was different than I was odd. Well, and on top of that, I didn't know it at the time, but I was highly empathic and also intuitive or psychic. <laughs> and so things would bother me about people. And I ended up being right a lot of times, but people didn't, you know, it wasn't good to shy away from people or be quiet and, and that kind of stuff. So it was, a, it was very, very difficult. When I got into adulthood, um, relationships were, um, I did the best I could. And I actually did have some real good friendships, um, a lot of good guy friends. Uh, women relationships, I would always uh, tend to leave them before they could leave me. Um, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. I got into a very dysfunctional marriage. Um, uh, it was not a good fit from the start. And then it went on. 
you know, going back to what you said about being an empath, that must have been the reason why you were so in tune to your brother's pain and his crying that you would make the choices as a young child that you did. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it at the time. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when I grew up, you know, I'm sitting there thinking that my brother's a puss, you know, that he's, you know, he, you know, how come he can't handle this? And it's like, well, he was a normal kid. I was the one that was abnormal. I was the one that was, you know, could take that. And I didn't know it, but I disassociated from myself and I actually left my body. Um, and so I was present, but um, I could handle these long beatings, um, uh, you know, where normal people wouldn't have. Wow. That's, you know, yeah, I, I like to think of uh, superheroes as being, you know, extraordinary, but, you know, to be able to do that and also to put yourself in that situation as a young child to, to shield your brother from that pain, that, that is super, superhuman in itself. And, you know, again, while I, 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 my heart cries for you that you had to deal with that, I commend you on your bravery and, you know, just the presence of mind that you had. But moving forward, when, uh, so you, you mentioned that you had a, um, an unsuccessful marriage. What, at what point did you start to uh, work towards those, as, as I talked about in our pre-recorded -dis pre discussion, are the three W's? Oh, okay, sure. Um, well, the wisdom, wellness, and wealth, yeah, what happened is, is in my 30s, um, I contracted a very unusual illness, and I was extraordinarily ill. I would get migraines that would last for five to seven days. What would happen is, is um, when I would get um, sick, I would lose my vision. And so, for example, I'd never be able to tell you that you kind of, uh, you know, that there's an A and a G behind you, um, you know, or that you kind of have those Swedish snowflakes on your sweater. Um, I'd never be able to tell you that. I probably wouldn't even be able to say that you were a human being in front of me um, uh, because I hadn't seen you before today. Some people, um, might, some people might agree with you as well. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it's, uh, you know, what was happening is, is um, all of a sudden I realized it's like, okay, I'm on the road and there's a big gray thing in front of me. I think that might be a truck, uh, but I couldn't tell you. Um, and so I had to, you know, I had to give up driving all these different things. And I became extraordinarily ill. I uh, worked with the doctors for six and a half years. During that time, they put me on supplemental oxygen so I wouldn't get nearly as sick, uh, but it wasn't working. And after that time period, they sent me home to die. They said, Joe, uh, we have one more treatment that we can do, but if it doesn't work, um, it will kill you. And so we have to send you home. And they told me it was going to be a very prolonged, very difficult death. Um, not prolonged, I mean, very arduous death. And I kept on trying. I wasn't ready to give up. And I found this 35th generation Shaolin. And I went to him and his students. And after the second hour, I was um, off of the oxygen. I no longer needed the oxygen. And after the third, I was completely healthy. I was absolutely, completely, totally emaciated. I mean, you could see the cartilage in my nose. You could see the difference between the cartilage and the bone in my ribs. Um, but I was healthy. I was absolutely healthy. And so where was this? I'm sorry. Where was this Shaolin? Um, he actually traveled to Minnesota. Um, uh, there was a man there that was, um, he, um, there was a man there that was a martial arts expert. They had met each other. He, um, he had asked this Shaolin master to come to Minnesota to share some of his healing work. And so that's what had happened. And I just was lucky enough to be able to go see him. Hmm. And then I ended up training with him. Um, and I followed him around the country for three and a half years. 
Um, and I had a mentor in Minnesota that I met with at least three days a week, and we would train uh, those three days a week. And so after three and a half years of studying with him, I also during that time period had the blessings of sitting with some Native Americans uh, in Wisconsin and uh, learning a lot from them. But in three and a half years, he gave me the master's certification in Chinese energetic healing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then sitting with the natives, they were the ones that opened me up to feeling energy and everything, the trees, the rocks, the plants, the water. Um, and that's when people that had passed away started to show up as well. And so I didn't know I had these intuitive gifts until that point, um, but that's when it was. And so in 2001, I started to do the healing work um, incorporated in 2003. And so from 2003 to 2012, I've been doing healing and um, the gifts that I'm able, that I have, I'm able to help people completely eliminate pains and illnesses that nobody else can help them with. And uh, the Mayo Clinic, when I used to live in Minnesota, they actually started to find out about me because I would have clients that would go down there, they would get the, you know, their test done and everything, they would come back to me, they'd go back down there and they wouldn't need the surgery. And um, they'd say, well, what did you do? Because uh, they were curious, how come their carotid artery was clear? How come their kidneys were okay? And they said, well, I went and saw this, you know, energy healer in, in St. Paul. And, uh, you know, um, after about the fourth or fifth one, uh, they said, Joe. <laughs> so they knew me. They knew about me. And in 2012, um, I had watched a movie called The Cure Is. And my clients had been asking me to coach them uh, for a long time, like seven years. And I just didn't feel qualified to do that. Uh, because you got to remember, I, I started with the self-esteem about this big. Yeah. And then I, I started to have these gifts and see things. And when I watched that movie, The Cure Is, the first time I did, I wrote for 10 pages feverishly, and then eight, and then two, uh, the third time that I watched it. And at the end of that, I had my first, first coaching program. And so in 2012, I started to coach people, and it's transformed a lot now. And I call it wisdom, wellness, and wealth, because we have to be wise to the laws that hold us back. People call them blocks. Blocks are, you can move and you can build and things. Laws are things that you, you know, you get penalized for. Um, and so your whole system is like, no, no, you can't break the law. You can't break the law. And so I help people understand the unconscious and subconscious laws that hold them back. And then once we see that, then what I do is I teach them ways to overcome those. And then I give them what I say is stronger than kryptonite because kryptonite will hold Superman back. Well, we need, we need something to be stronger than that to be able to go forward. So that's the will, the wisdom. And the wellness um, is as a healer, um, I help people as we go through this process and they become physically better, emotionally better and spiritually. And then the wealth is kind of like Napoleon Hill says, uh, when he talks about his mastermind program, uh, he talks about the fact that um, uh, he says, we don't go after the money. It just happens because we become better people, better relationships and everything in the universe supports us. And so that's how the wisdom, well, wellness and wealth. Well, it sounds like pretty comprehensive. It is, you know, as an intuitive, um, it's, it's amazing. It's easy. It's quick. Um, and everybody loves it. Every sing and, and every single person that's gone through it has had some kind of huge wealth issue happen. Bonuses, new jobs, uh, getting a house for $35,000 less than the next bid. Um, one of them uh, that had just finished, she, uh, she wanted literally a free car. And so a client of hers is too old to drive now. And so they gave her a $75,000 uh, Jaguar SUV. Wow. 
you know, uh, and they, they give her gas money and money to wash the car um, every week. <laughs> so, so it's amazing what happens. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. And so what, what plans you have uh, going into the near future? I know that, like I said before, that we were part of the Beyond TV boot camp. So are you going to incorporate those lessons into your uh, future endeavors? Yeah, you know, my biggest thing that I've always wanted to do since since this energy work saved my life back in 2001, um, I've wanted other people to know about this because um, I lost friends. I was sick for over six and a half years. Uh, there's a great place in Minnesota in Minneapolis called Pathways and Pathways has some support groups for people with chronic illness. And I was in that. And I watched friends die and things like that. Um, and I've watched friends suffer from, you know, uh, fibromyalgia, lupus, MS, um, you know, chronic fatigue, you know, all these different things. Well, once I got better, I started to go back to my friends and say, hey, I think I can help you. And I was able to with a lot of them. And so what I want people to understand and to know is that this is one other option. This is one more option that's is in your tool bag. It may work for you, you know? Um, and I tell people all the times, you know, what I do is I always give them the opportunity to have a free consultation. I want them to call me up, ask me, you know, get comfortable with it. And then they can decide if they want to work with me or not. And if, and if we're not the right fit, I know other healers to send them to, because there's a lot of incredible, fabulous healers. Um, people, you know, when they think about energy healing, they think about Reiki or hands-on, and those are great, you know? But there's other modalities that can completely, totally eliminate pains and issues and help people so they don't have to have surgeries, you know? So if someone wanted to reach out to you, where could they find you? Um, my website is profoundpower.net. And my email is really easy. It's profoundpowerjoe at gmail. And um, I let my clients name me. And so first it was pain eliminated and then it was true freedom because people said that my work gave them the truest sense of freedom. But then I met with somebody and she says, no, she goes, I feel the absolute most profound power. And this was somebody that made seven figures. Um, and so when she said that uh, I gave her the biggest feeling or the most profound power uh, feeling, I was like, okay, I'll keep that. So. Well, that's, a, that's always a good sign when you're, customers feel so strongly about your work that you decide to name it after something they said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So great. So if someone were to look for or to seek one, I, I nugget of wisdom from you from this conversation, what would you say to help them through a situation? Um, the first thing, I guess what I would say is really the power of I am, you know, uh, because the power of I am is so it's all encompassing and it's talked about in many, many cultures, not just the, you know, Jewish or the Catholic religion, you know, or Christian religion. Uh, the power of I am is, is talked about in many, many indigenous cultures. Many indigenous cultures know that they are the chosen ones. Okay. And so when we really connect to the I am, it's like that knowing creator really is for us then that's incredibly powerful. And so if we say, you know, I am successful, I'm wonderful, I'm beautiful, those kinds of things, great. If we say I'm, you know, blah, 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 you know, um, that kind of energy holds as well. And, but it's the biggest thing, I guess, is, is that um, life really, really is a team sport. 
Um, you know, and there's this saying now, you know, it's like, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And it's like, well, somebody that's been dealing with chronic pain, chronic illness, I mean, somebody like yourself, it's like, okay, pull yourself, I mean, okay, pull yourself up. It's like, okay, you needed help too, you know? And so what it is, is um, certainly, you know, have that tenacious, you know, feeling of doing it yourself, but allow yourself to actually get help too. Um, reach out to somebody, trust your own intuition, uh, because, life isn't supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be dis difficult. It's supposed to be amazing. I mean, God sent us down here to enjoy it. I mean, just look around. Everything is so beautiful. And I tell people, it's like, look at a bird. I mean, you know, or look at a, you know, a dolphin, for example, what do they get to do? They're not bored. They're not sitting here saying, oh, life is so dull. <laughs> you know, they're out there tweeting away because the sunrise comes up. You know, they're feeling the, the mist of the rain. They're feeling the sun, you know, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And so we should be able to feel that too. I agree. I agree. And I have one more question for you, Joe. It's a question my audience always loves to learn the answer to. What is your favorite dinosaur? Uh, that'd have to be uh, tri the, the Triceratops. Triceratops. Okay, Triceratops. Yeah, Triceratops. Um, you know, incredibly strong, um, you know, and pretty much impervious to anything um, and just goes about and does what he wants. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. But Joe, it's been an honor and a pleasure to talk with you, sir. Thank you so much for sharing your message with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And so please reach out to Joe if you want to find out how he can help you and your various issues. And if you want to uh, talk with me about my own message, please reach out to me at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. You can find the book I help publish, The Blue Talks Presents Business Life in the Universe, Volume 3. You can find my podcast, obviously, the YouTube channel, my speaking websites, and other things, as well as my online store, Chris DT Gordon's Tag and Pops Shop. All right. And also, please rate and review this. This helps me spread the word of Joe's message and other messages of trial and triumph. So please rate and review, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. All right. Thank you very much for joining me. Please have a great day. And remember the past on perfection and go for greatness.